Welcome to the Dream Mason Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Terranova. A Dream Mason is a person who's brave enough to declare they have a dream and committed enough to do the work to build it. I know we all have a Dream Mason inside of us, and my dream for this podcast is to support us by giving us a glimpse inside the hearts and minds of leaders, creators, and innovators to help us unleash our inner Dream Mason. Because your dreams don't build themselves. What's up and welcome back to the Dream Mason podcast. I'm your host, Alex Terranova. I am excited to share today's guest with you. He's known as the trajectory changer. He's a two-time best-selling author. He's a transformational coach. He's the creator of amazing a human excellence system, which teaches decision makers, public figures, professional athletes, and industry leaders a breakthrough formula that promotes peak performance in every area of their life. My guest today is Miyoko Taylor. What I love about Miyoko and what has brought him and I close together, we only met a few months ago and we quickly bonded and connected, Miyoko wasn't happy. He was obese, he was stuck in a relationship that wasn't serving him, and one day he experienced what he calls a mirror moment. His mirror moment changed everything. And now he's out in the world helping men and women create their own mirror moments so they can get empowered and change their own lives. Miyoko and I talk about the vulnerable process of realizing you aren't living the life you desire and the process to experience that change. We talk about the courage that it takes to go against the grain, to not listen to your society or your family or friends, and really follow your own inner wisdom. We share our experience as males in the world of learning to feel and to share our feelings and emotions, and the challenges that we as men face in learning to become vulnerable. I know you guys are gonna get value out of this. Miyoko and I share tools, And he just brings a ton of wisdom, fun, and practical knowledge. So let's get to it. Let's meet Miyoko Taylor. Miyoko, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. How about yourself? I'm really good. We've been talking a lot lately, so I'm I'm glad to get you on here. I'm actually just, I'm really glad to get another powerful man on the (laughs) Bring Mason podcast. It seems like they were so hard for me to find, and then I started talking about it, and now there's just, like, powerful men showing up. Yeah, like attracts like, man. That's what's happening, you know? Nice. Yeah. So uh, give me, like, the – before we, like, really jump into all the things, like, who are you? What do you want people to know about you from you? Very good question. Um, Outside of my profession, I'm a human being just like everybody else. I'm somebody who's been through certain challenges in life. Um, I am a lover of people. I love connecting people. I love seeing people win. Um, I love seeing the development and the process of, of someone that who's been in an adversity or a challenge and they become shaping and molded into this different individual and it's exactly who they want to be. And they begin to prosper in life, you know, the way that they intended it. So I'm that particular person where you look at me and you say, you know what, this guy's doing it. And I can do it too. Um, so I always try to remain uh, to be that guy next door, average Joe type of persona. Um, you know, when I connect with people throughout the world, in my families, throughout society, because I don't think that's shared enough. I think we live in a society where it's either you're at the you're at rock bottom or you're on this high pinnacle, and there's really no in between. So I'm that particular person that's going to show you and, and be that example that, you know what, he's an everyday person doing extraordinary things. So that's who I am. Nice. I love that. Everyday person doing extraordinary things. That's great. That actually feels like sums up a lot of the people that come onto this podcast. They're not necessarily like, quote unquote, famous, mm-hmm. but they're having a huge impact in the world. Right. Mm-hmm. Nice. How did you, how did you get here? Like what, you know, as a man, you didn't, you know, you weren't born and like, hey, I'm just going to do this thing. How did, what's your like origin story? You know, it, it's interesting. Um, one of the people, one of the things people always ask me is how did you become a coach? And I often say coaching chose me. I didn't choose coaching. And it plays a very, very big part in who I am. 
Um, I was always the type of person to give people advice when I was younger, very, <laughs> very philosophical, um, just like to learn about different things, different people. That's just who I was, you know, who I am. And somewhere along the way, man, um, I just lost my way. I started listening to what everyone else was saying, um, you know, my parents, my peers, just my overall environment. And I found myself living a, a lie, man, a life that totally did not you know, identify with who I was. I mean, I was working at a nine to five that I hated. I was in a relationship for um, seven years that was just really, really draining. And, and I knew it was something that I shouldn't be in, but I was uh, lonely, scared of being alone, that, that particular thing. And I became obese, like my health was failing. So all these things were going on. And, you know, I remember looking in the mirror and I, I think I've told you this story before. I, I just burst into tears. Like I had this mirror moment is what I call them. And I had to make one of two decisions, man. It was either I was going to continue to go down this crappy road and my health get worse and only God knows what's going to happen, um, be in these particular situations, or I could make the scariest decision I've ever made in my life, which was to go against what everybody was saying, whether it was parents, friends, uh, my environment, and just really start to do what I really wanted to do. So when I started to make that step and make that decision, some of the weight started to lift a little bit. But one of the problems was like, yo, okay, now I like, ah, I stopped doing all those other things and working towards what I want to do. But then it was just like, wait a second, what do I want to do? In fact, I don't even know who I am anymore. So this became this whole process in my journey into personal development, because I really had to reconnect with who I was, not only just reconnect with who I was, but really find out who Miyoko the adult was now, because he got lost in it. He, you know, he was lost mm -hmm. in everything else that I was doing. Um, so that's when I really started to, to look into personal development and mindset and all these different things. And started looking at, you know, Tony Robbins, Zig Ziglar, Jim Rohn, a lot of Les Brown and just different people. And it started to really fascinate me because I didn't really know that personal development was actually a thing, a process, you know, something that you're supposed to be consistently doing in life. And I just really got engulfed in it, man. And that's when the, the nurturing and connecting and loving people and wanting to help and to teach started to come back. But the problem is, is I'm a firm believer that I can't teach anything that I haven't experienced myself. So my next question was, all right, so I know I want to do this, but I have to get out of my own situations. Um, so I started to take inventory of the things that I was doing. And one of the things that I realized, you know, listening to a lot of motivational speakers and different people was the motivation was good, but I didn't have the implementation and that consistency, that momentum afterwards. So I would go home to, you know, some situations that still weren't right you know, all excited, but after an hour, it's just like, e, well, that wore off. Um, <laughs> right. So yeah. that's when I really started to say, you know, maybe there's a process to this and it's, it's different from person to person. Sometimes the, the overall foundation is the same, but it's going to affect everybody different. And that's when I really got into um, coaching and really pursuing it very seriously. And I, I reached certain levels of success, but then the next thing was, one of my first questions was, how do I teach this to somebody else? Because there's somebody just like me or somebody else that's going through the things that I've gone through. So how do I help somebody else get out of that particular, uh, you know, mosh pit or quicksand that they're in? So how do I help them? And that's pretty much, you know, the rest has been history. And that's just been one of my life's passion to really, really, you know, connect with people and show them how to go from point A to point Z and, and at least get to that place where they're starting to pursue what they really want in life. And that's where we are today. I mean, that's what I do day in and day out, man. I love the mirror moment. Like, I love that you have a name for it. Um, and we've talked about this. Like, I, I, my moment wasn't a mirror moment. It was, a, I say the universe punched me right in the nose. Right, like, right. You had a UFC cool. fight, man. I mean. Yeah, it, it woke me up. <laughs> but it was the same thing. Like, I, I got hit. And I, start, and I broke and started to cry. Um, the thing that I, that I think is really unique about my situation, your situation, and lots of other people have had situations like this. I actually think that you and I and a lot of other people had opportunities that we didn't take. Like, I think, like, 
the mirror moment, the universe punching me, that happened throughout the course of our life, like to wake us up. And we ignored it. We pushed it aside. We chose not to look. What gave you the courage? Because I think that's what it is. It's actually courage to be with the vulnerability of the moment um, and the fear to look inward. What actually gave you that courage to make that moment in the mirror, the moment that things were going to change, like moving forward? I think it was two things. I think one, it, I was so tired of that particular life. It was, it was literally like I felt who I really was dying like inside of me. And it just, it was just eating at me and eating at me and I had to do something. And then I think it was the moment I stopped caring about what everybody else thought. I mean, it was just like, you know what? I was, I was sitting one day and I'm like, everybody else is living their life. I'm not telling them how to live their lives. They're going about doing whatever it is they want to do. And here I am, all of my actions and my behaviors have been kind of tailor-made by everyone else's opinion and what I should do and what they think I'm good at and what they think I should pursue, what I should stay in, what I should leave. And when I stopped caring about that, that's when it really, what really was exposed was this pain, this inner pain that I was feeling because I was neglect, I had neglected myself for so long. So it, that didn't, I agree with what you're saying. I think we've had moments where we, we should have been awakened, but it's only until we get to the place where we have that clarity and that self-awareness where that feeling, that alarm button is just magnified. So that's what it was. When I stopped caring about what everybody thought and started focusing on me, that's when it all hit me, man. It's when it's just like, oh my God, I am in trouble. Like my, I'm in danger. Like I'm dying, I'm alive, but I'm literally dying. And that's when I had to do something. Yeah, that's great. It's funny. It's so cool. I mean, we. I think when we talked the first time, we both saw this, these similar conversations, because that's how I felt. Exactly. Like, I can't actually go on living like right. this. Right. And, and the cool thing is, it's not like either one of us were starving or digging out of dumpsters. We were mm -hmm. actually normal people living probably better than the average lives. Absolutely. And, and probably in the top 10% over the course of the whole world, like we probably were had more than most, mm -hmm. but like, but inside there was that, that piece that was, you know, for me, you talk about it as dying. And I talk about it as there was like this vacancy, it was mm. this hole in my heart. Right. And the void. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I love it because it's that thing of like, I can't go on one more day being like this. It's just not going to work. Um, what were the things... I think this is this is super relevant as a man, but I'm curious. You know, you 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 grew up in Jersey, right? I mean, yes. I know you're in Jersey now. Mm -hmm. So I've I've always been a West Coast person. I think like the coasts are very different, um, but I think I'm really interested to hear as a man, but also just your experience as a human being. Uh -huh. When you decided things were going to be different, you were going to flip that light switch and and change after that mirror moment. What were the biggest hurdles, obstacles, challenges that you got from like society, your family and culture? Very good question. Okay. So one of the things, <laughs> this is funny. I'm laughing when I, cause I think about it. One of the things that I, I kind of got laughs with when I talked about coaching, you don't see a lot of male coaches, believe it or not. I mean, you see a lot of motivational speakers. Yeah motivational speakers and people that do that type of stuff but you don't really see you know coaches that really get into the emotional aspect the mindset aspect it's usually um when you think of coach and and mindset and those things you think of the woman that you see on the picture who's got her hands folded and she's doing yoga and all that so <laughs> i think that's one of the challenges one of the challenges that i first started to occur um was that particular persona of what a male coach was um, another thing was really taking people actually taking me seriously, um, because it's just not one of the more common things that males participate in, because when you're dealing with the coach, you're dealing as a coach, when you're working on mindset and emotions and things like that, there's a certain level of, and we're going to use the word because it's common vulnerability that people expect you not to have as a man. Um, and that probably was the biggest challenge. We both talked about crying. I had my mirror moment. The universe punched you, right? One, we had one of the we had two uh, two similar responses, right? You were self aware, one, and you cried, two. Now 
the the second one, the crying, is something that is completely shunned upon in our society as males. So I think that was the biggest challenge, getting in touch with my emotions and realizing that it's okay to feel, it's okay to cry, it's okay to be upset, it's okay to process, because I went through a whole, literally, and I do this every now and then, I go through like a cleansing period, man, where I'll cry, um, you go through all these different emotions, and as a man, it's just like, what the heck are you doing, man? You know, man up, toughen up. You know, what are you, what are you crying for? What are you down in the dumps for? Like, you're not supposed to worry about that. You're a man, you know, puck your shoulders and like, and like get on with life. That's how we're taught, you know, in our society. Most men are taught this way. So that was the biggest challenge for me to, 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 to learn that it was okay to tap into my emotions and to be a good coach or a great coach or to help people, you have to do that. There's no way you can be an effective coach and not really be in touch with your emotion, especially those emotions, because this is what people deal with on a regular basis. So that was the biggest challenge for me, Alex, by far the biggest challenge, the emotional aspect of it. I love, I love the way you, you talk about the, the, how we're not almost allowed to as men. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. you're right. Like, I think of it as when I got free and got able to feel, and I think I'm still practicing this. I'm not like by oh, any it's means. continuous, man. Yeah, right? The, I'm not the expert of feelings by any means. There's a lot of times I still push them down, bottle them up, kick mm -hmm. them out the door. Like I'm not interested in feeling right now. And that's just cultured and taught behavior that mm -hmm. I'm trying to break mm -hmm. up. But somebody said something to me once, and it was one of my mentors. I don't you know, know exactly which one, but well, they said something about like, if you think of your emotions as like a pipe, like a, like a plumbing pipe, right? Running through, let's just say your, your body. And we all want to be joyful, right? I think that's like pretty prevalent. People want to be joyful or happy. And that's an emotion. It's not actually anything but happiness, joy is an emotion. But we also have these emotions like anger, and sadness let's just say those are the three kind of general emotions and everything else spawns off from those mm -hmm. that when we repress when we repress like anger or we when we repress sadness it's like we're clogging up the pipe and so joy uh -huh. and happiness can't get through either and what i've noticed the more and more i have breakthroughs around feelings is i get to be happier which is the coolest thing because i didn't it's funny, I repressed sadness and anger before. I never got angry and I never, and I was like never really sad. I was just like always neutral, but then I could never be happy. And as I've let myself actually have days or I think we met right after I had a month in Oregon where I think I told you I like cried like the whole month. <laughs> yes, yeah, you did. <laughs> I, I had never had anything like that. Like I literally cried. And But to your point, some of my best guy friends were like, dude, get it together. Come on, like pull up your big boy pants and like get on the phone and get another client or do whatever. And yeah. it was like, now you don't get it. Like I'm actually, I'm actually doing the thing that I need to be doing from like a higher, like a soul level, a heart level, uh, something else that's bigger than like what we were taught. Right. I mean, crying is crying is is used in different ways. I mean, crying can be when somebody's angry, crying can be when you're happy, when you're overjoyed, and crying can be cleansing. I th crying is a form of cleansing sometimes. And the thing, and the, and the big stigma around being a man is that we are not allowed to feel. We're not allowed to feel um, depressed or, or feel sad or feel um, uh, disregarded or, or, or neglected. It's always projected that men have basic emotions. Okay, we're either happy, we're excited, or we're angry. Um, disappointed, but it's all of the, the more dominant feelings. And then all the other ones that most people look at as the sensitive, the sad, the compassionate, the loving, we have to project that in a certain <laughs> way. And it presents this, this, this psychological block in your mind as a man to where it's just like, okay, I have things going on my, in my life. But like you said, I'm just going to clog up the plumbing because as a man, I'm not supposed to feel this way. And I'm not supposed and if I am feeling this way, I'm supposed to be ashamed of how I feel. And this is like the danger as a man. This is why a lot of men, you know, um, they do studies and more men have heart attacks than, you know, than women and, and these particular things, because we are not taught that it's acceptable to be able to process certain feelings. 
And it's, it's a very big problem. It's a very big problem. What do you see for you? And you can look at you for your clients, other people. Um, Cause the biggest, aside from like, Hey, the heart attack, what's the biggest cost or consequence in your opinion of the not actually feeling and embracing our feelings? I think you can't really fully embrace, appreciate, and accept life. I mean, you have to feel every gamut of emotions. I mean, every gamut of emotion is what shapes us as human beings. I mean, even the emotions we don't want to feel sometimes, you know, the anger, the disappointment, the depression, the frustration. I mean, those particular things send us through cycles of learning and developing. So they're necessary. Um, and, and But if you don't really feel those things, how can you even know what it feels like to be happy? How can you even even appreciate happiness? How do you even know what happiness is if you've never experienced sadness? So I think when you deprive yourself from feeling, you are literally only half of yourself. And that's just, that's just how I feel. You are literally only half of your, yourself. Yeah. Um, because what's going to happen is you're going to start pretending to be something and someone you're not. You're going to be pretending to feel happy when you don't really feel happiness. You feel sadness. And you just throw, I really think you throw your mind and your body completely out of whack. So you have to feel these different chains of emotions at different times in your life. How would you support a man who's listening to this or a woman, right? Because there's women that don't, that don't uh, embrace all their emotions and there's men that do, right? It's not just a man-woman thing. Right. I, I would say it's more of a feminine, masculine thing and we all embody all the traits. But what would you give somebody who's listening to this and it's like, well, I don't know how to feel. It just doesn't, it just doesn't happen for me. I think feeling really comes down to self-awareness. When people say, I don't really know how to feel, a lot of that is there's some type of mental or emotional block that they're dealing with. So the question would be is what particular situation is that? Um, I'll use an example of a client that I had in that particular situation. And one of the questions I asked them was, you know, tell me what your childhood was like. Tell me what it was like growing up. And they had been involved in a situation where they were laughed at and they were ridiculed. And what they did is they developed a shield, a shell. Um, towards any and everybody. And they never addressed that situation. They just covered it and formed a barrier around it. And this particular session resulted in a lot of tears, but it was very freeing for that particular individual because they never really embraced that feeling. It kind of goes back to what I was saying. So your, your admission of not being able to feel is letting you know that you need to feel something that you kind of repressed in the past. Awesome. I hear when I was listening to you tell that, I was thinking about how I, I, everything you just said, I mean, totally resonates and I, I would handle it very similar as a coach. And, but the, and the other piece that I was thinking is how we let our past control our futures by not allowing yourself to feel or actually take a look at those things. Your future is now impacted based on how something went in the past, which is likely not the way people want to be living their lives. Right. Exactly. What do you, what's your big dream or big dreams? I, I assume you have more than one. Um, my big dream, I, I would like to be on a much bigger platform. And one of the, one of my biggest dreams is, and I often talk about this, most people that know me, I, I talk about this all the time. I want to get to a place where <clears throat> I can just do nothing but retreats or uh, not conferences, but very intimate retreats and sessions, maybe 20 to 25 people at a time, um, and really actually sit down with them and figure out what's going on in their life, what they're repressing, um, what they have been, what has been buried underneath the surface, like really doing some, some deep, deep, you know, digging in and what it is they truly want out of their life, what's been going on, you know, why they're not getting it, and just do this completely over and over and over again, different sets of people, different experiences, male, female, um, United States, Europe, international. That's actually one of my biggest dreams to just be fully immersed in people that really have the need to want to change. Because I think most people don't realize as coaches, and I'm sure you can attest to this, Alex, as we change people, we're actually changing ourselves at the same time. I mean, there's been many a times where I've coached someone and helped someone and I'm coaching myself. 
you know, while I'm helping them. And I think that's the amazing thing about it. So that's definitely one of my dreams to wake up in the morning, catch a flight somewhere and actually just immerse myself around people that really want to change and better their lives in some way, shape or form. Nice. What do you think the thing for you personally is it is right now in the way that you're working to move out of the way so you can actually make that dream a reality? Very good question. I love that one. So one of the things, probably the major thing for me um, that would that is or would prevent me from doing that is I want to say not necessarily organization, but mental focus. I think sometimes when, um, and I just was talking to somebody about this, about burnout um, as coaches, I think sometimes we want to help so many different people and we're here to serve. You just have that spirit of serving and, and loving and nurturing people. Sometimes you get hit with so many different opportunities to, to share your gifts or to help other people, you become overwhelmed. And with overwhelm and, and, and lack of focus, it kind of throws you off balance. And those things that you really should be focusing on, they kind of spill over into something else and it just gets very, very messy. Um, and, and once it gets very, very messy, it starts working on your mindset and, and, and different things. So I think that's definitely something that I have to work on because I, I want to help. I want to add value to so many people, but you have to be disciplined and focused and to stay in alignment with what it is that you want to do, because there's always so many different distractions. And I tell people not every opportunity is your opportunity. And that's something that I'm still learning because I'll get somebody to call me and they're like, um, there's this opportunity for you to help somebody. I'm, oh, yes, I'm on it. But then it's just like, you kind of neglected this particular thing. So it's, it's really, it's really staying mentally focused. I mean, it's, it's very, very, um, it's the challenge for me at times to do that because I want to help everybody. And the reality of it is, is you have to have a level of focus on what you're doing. Do you have a practice or something that you do that keeps you like, hold you accountable to that, to have that breakthrough? Oh, Absolutely. And it's, it's funny that you said that because I stopped doing it and I had to kick myself in the butt the other day because I stopped doing it. So I have something called the mason jar trick. And what I'll do is, is you need a mason jar, screw jar, um, a Sharpie and a uh, um, post-it notes. And what I'll do is I'll put my major goal, my vision, whatever it is, I'll write it down and I'll stick it in a mason jar and I'll put it on a vision board and all that stuff. So <clears throat> everything that I do that brings me one step closer towards my vision or that goal, I'll write it down and I'll put it in a sticky note and I'll throw it in the mason jar. So that mason jar always reminds me that I have to put deposit something in there. So I, I write things down every single day, right? And so what I'll do is at the end of the month, if I'm ever feeling discouraged or, you know, cause we get that. We have ups and downs. What I'll do is I'll open the mason jar and I'll pour it out and I'll see all the things that I'm doing that I've accomplished and that is keeping me focused. So it does one of two things. It helps me see that I'm making progress when I have those particular down moments and it creates a repetitive habit and a routine. And it's so funny because I did it for, I want to say about three years straight. And for the past two or three months, I was just like, I got overwhelmed with other opportunities, other things. And literally, it was a difference. So it's something that I'm being very transparent that I had to go back to and say, all right, go back to the foundation and what works. Um, so I would say that. That's an awesome practice. I'm sitting here as you're talking about it going, I want to go get a mason jar. For each <laughs> of my, like, like one for my book, you know, one for my well-being, one for my right. podcast. Like, and I see it like on a counter, you have like five or six lined up. It's such a... Um, I don't know if it's like a, a tactile is not the right word. It's that's like your feeling, but it's such a, uh, it's, I guess it's visual. It's such a visual mm -hmm. tool that, you know, I think sometimes vision boards can actually like beat us up a little bit. Yes, and I know can. that's not the intention, but like they we can. create vision and we put it on the wall. And if we're not, we don't ever know how close we are to it. Right. Cause mm -hmm. you, it could appear like you're really far from the goal. And next thing you know, you got the goal, but if we feel like we're far from it, 
and then we relate to the goal as being far away, we can beat ourselves up. And yes. a lot of my clients, I'm, I'm really hard on myself, so I get a lot of clients that are really hard on themselves. What I love about that practice that you have is, so like my mason jar is a project with, sorry, my, my book is a project. Mm-hmm. And it's, now unless it's empty, then I could really beat myself up, but I'm working on my book all the time. Mm-hmm. It's just, to me, what I see that practices is it makes you relate to the journey versus the end. Yes. So I'm seeing it fill up versus going, there's no book, which is, is just another way sometimes to kick your own ass. Yeah, well, we forget. Well, it's, it's amazing. You would be surprised how often we don't celebrate the small wins. Like we're so focused on the end game and it's just like, but I did this yesterday, but I did that. You shouldn't have to, it's, it's almost we have to, like we have to remind ourselves of the small wins. So that's just a way of saying, wow, you know what? I did this, I did that, I did that. And then you continue to go. And it's, it's psychological because nobody wants to see the jar empty. It's really cool when you do it. It's a simple but very powerful practice. Nobody wants to see that jar empty. So when you're walking in, like you may have it on your kitchen or something, and you're looking at that jar like, man, I got to put something in here. Like, what's going on? So I, it really works. It's and I think we're, we're, we're doing a lot of little things all the time that we're not, whether we celebrate them or wins. But, you know, if, if I send an email to five people that I really want to be on my podcast. Right. That's, that's five things that go that's in the jar. That's a sticky note, man. That's a sticky note. Exactly. But it but it's not something that we see. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a genius practice. I don't know if you invented that or you got that. That's you amazing. know, it's funny. I saw it on an article and they did, were doing it a different way. And it just instantly clicked with me when it came to like coaching. I'm like, I'm going to use this another way. And yeah. it's, it's, it's worked wonders for me, but I stopped doing it. That's the thing. You have to be consistent. What's the, besides the retreats, and really waking up to support people. What are, do you have any other big goals that you're, that you see in your future that you want to create? I want to, um, I want to write a New York times bestseller. Okay. Um, that's, that's definitely one of my goals. I really believe that books, the one, the awesome thing about books or is that once you write it, it's like literally etched in history. And I read a lot of eBooks, but it's different for me when I can pick up a book and actually highlight and, and be, you know, immersed in the book. So one of my um, goals is to definitely write more books, man. I mean, I love the fact that you can put information, valuable information on a piece of paper and have it given to someone and they can hold on to this for the next 75, 100, 150, 200 years. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's definitely, I want to definitely do more books and and written materials without question. Um, And more traveling. More traveling. Okay. <laughs> Definitely more traveling. What do you see? What about around men? I know, because look, me and you have talked a lot about, you know, our, our businesses, each other's stories. We've also talked a lot about men mm-hmm. and our visions for men and the world. What about there? What do you what do you see for yourself? I I see for myself and and even for you know what we've we've discussed and we talked about men being portrayed finally in the correct way. Um, men we're stereotyped often as being insensitive, um, that we don't understand women, um, all these particular things, um, we're, we're not emotional, we're grumpy, all these, all these different things that we're, we're categorized as. So it definitely is part and part of my purpose to show men that it is okay to express every emotion that there is because you're a human being. Um, you have the same emotions, no different from a female, and it doesn't make you less masculine. You can project any emotion that you that you can in a particular way that doesn't take away from your masculinity. So when it comes to men, I really, really feel it necessary having this particular level of knowledge and experience to to show someone else because there's a lot of men out there right now that are suffering from depression. They're suffering from sadness, from from pain, from anger. And the only reason why they're allowing it to continue to clog their pipes and not get any happiness is because they are taught that they're not supposed to feel and act on these particular things. And I want to be, I want to be instrumental in helping change that. Nice. What would you give as advice to a, if you were speaking to a woman who was with a man 
or a man who was with a man could go, you know, um, and the, and they knew that their partner wanted to be more expressed, wanted to feel more, but they were struggling. What advice would you give them to help them? <clears throat> the advice I would give to that particular person is don't look at them in a stereotypical way. I think there's been so much in society that um, portrays a woman in a certain way, portrays a man in a, in a certain way. I think we often react and respond to each other in a way that feeds those stereotypes. Um, for example, she may say, you know, he's a man, so he's not going to like this. Or he he's a man, so I expect him not to be emotional. Or, or, or So she may act in a way, but she doesn't know that she's harming that particular individual. Or he may do the same thing. Well, she's a woman, so she's going to feel a particular way. We're all human beings. We have every set of emotions. We have the same emotions. So I think if to any advice I would give to a woman or a man is that you have to stop making assumptions based on stereotypes. And I think we do that a lot. And I think once you open yourself up and say, hey, you know what? I'm not gonna stereotype you because I really wanna know what you're feeling. And they feel that, then that's when the barrier starts coming down. But I think as this whole battle of the sexes or, or, or whatever sex you are, I think it's because there's so many stereotypes and we have designed the way we communicate with each other based off of them. And that's part of the problem. Yeah, um, that's great. I'm listening to you and I'm picturing, like we, we, we have this need to put everyone in a box. Everyone. And everyone. We, we even have needs to put things that like philosophies in boxes and education is in a box, but mm -hmm. everything we have to put in these boxes and it's just limiting, right? If something's in a box, it's limited to the space of the box. And there's not a lot of possibility or potential there. So I love that idea of like, hey, we gotta, the first thing to do is get out of the stereotypical right. box, whatever it is, mm -hmm. and then something else becomes possible. Right. right. What about the opposite way? What about a man who knows he wants to open up his heart, express himself more, feel more, get out of his head, you know, break up the chains of quote unquote, like masculinity? How does he, what would you give advice to him about getting support from, you know, his family or his partner or his friends? I think the first thing is I always go back to <clears throat> why do you think that you can't feel a particular way? I think that's the, that's the big question. So that particular individual, that man has to get back to, okay, wh why do you feel a particular way? When were you taught that? Where does this, where does this begin? Um, and, and it's really getting to the root. I often say you want to get to the root of why this thought process came about in the first place. And you'd be surprised. A lot of people are willing to talk about this. And, and everybody in their everyday society, the wife, whoever, the parents, the family, the kids, the children, they're not going to ask that particular, particular question. It's just they're not set up that particular way. It's just like he, he may be going through some things in his life and they're looking at him like he's nuts, like he's crazy, like he's got, you know, what the heck's wrong with you? You're a man. Like we said, man up. What's wrong? What's wrong with you? But it may be something that oftentimes our behavior is a cry for help. It really mm -hmm. is. Um, and it's really getting down to where is that cry coming from? Where does that originate from? And if you get to that problem and when you get to that particular problem and you allow them space to really talk about it, it's almost like weight is lifted off that particular person. We don't open up until we feel like some people resonate, some people care, and they're willing to, to listen to the things that are really, that we're really struggling with. And that's the problem. Most people don't want to listen. We judge first and listen later instead of listening and having no judgment at all. Yeah. It's also, I'm thinking about how it's tough to be, one of my mentors shared this with me just this past weekend was how tough it is to reach somebody when you're not in relationship with them Absolutely. and you got to be in, in sufficient relationship, mm -hmm. right? I, I always use this example to people when my clients bring to me like, oh, my husband or my wife or whoever said something to me and it like bothered me. And it's not about what they said. It's about the meaning that they made it, what they did with that. 
and the story they put on it because it's like well if you were walking down the street and some random person said that you'd be like okay i don't i don't know them i don't care mm-hmm. but because the person's in relationship with you that thing like got in and i think of it the same way is when you are in relationship with somebody like and i don't mean like you're dating when i you i think you know what i mean but for yeah, listening, mm-hmm. in relationship like connected to somebody somebody feels seen and heard by you the ability to say things to them to have them hear you to be supported by them is vastly different so right. yeah to me that's what i would add on to what you said is hey if you're not having the impact you want to have with somebody whether it's you want support or you want to get supported or you want to support someone else it's get into relationship first right. and i and i just to add a little bit on to that as well yeah, I, I think we don't we don't take the time to understand where somebody comes from Mm-hmm. And I often tell people we all come with our own instruction manual. This this is developed yeah. from our upbringing, <laughs> our parents, our society, our experiences in life, and sometimes we have no idea what one another has gone through. And some words are trigger words. Some sentences are trigger sentences. We don't really get down to the bottom of really getting to know that person, because one thing you may say to to one person over here it may have a different reaction to the person you're in a relationship with or you're connected to or you're close to. So you have to really care enough to understand, all right, where's this person coming from? What have they gone through? What have they experienced? And I don't think we take enough time to do that. And that is probably the reason why 85% of arguments ever happen. Miscommunication. That's great. Yeah, thanks for adding that. Do you think... Just, I was, I'm like been. I wrote this on my paper early on, and I and I didn't know when I was going to ask it, but it seems. Do you think you can create a mirror moment, like you could actually say, like you had one, I had one. We weren't intending to, like in the moment. Mm-hmm. Do you think somebody could actually go create that for themselves? Absolutely. It's interesting. You nobody's ever asked me that, but because you put me on a spot, I'm going to say yeah. And here's why. The, the thing that created the mirror moment for me was the point that I stopped caring about other people, as I said, and I really started to become self-aware to the point where I was dying inside. Like I felt like that huge void and I wasn't who I was. It was like I was living this imposter type of life. So somebody trying to create a mirror moment, I believe you can do that by a series of questions. Um, you know, for example, <clears throat> When you, when you get to the point where you ask yourself, what's the most important thing in my life? You know, what do I want to do with my life? Um, what am I not doing with my life? I was taught, you know, by other people that who, who I've coached, who, who has coached me in the past and in different books, questions are one of the most powerful things we have. And they are. So to answer your question, I think people can have a mirror moment by asking the right questions. Because questions trigger thoughts. Thoughts are going to trigger trigger emotions. And if you have the right question, it's going to trigger the right thought and it's going to bring out the right emotion. It's not going to feel good, but it's going to bring out that right emotion. And um, I think you can definitely have a mirror moment. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I still have them, by the way. I still have them. I still have them. I thought, I, you know, it's funny. I thought I was going to have this one mirror moment. <laughs> and that was it, man. I was good. Uh, but no, every now and then you have those mirror moments again because it's life. It's a consistent journey. And sometimes we kind of fall off the horse and we have another mirror moment and we have to get back on and continue to, you know, perceive what, what we're, we're trying to aspire to do. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it, um, I love that you, I've never asked anyone that question before. I've never even posed it like that without knowing the mirror moment concept. But as you were talking and I'm thinking about it, because when I asked it, I didn't know the answer. I actually had no idea what I would have said if you had asked me it. And as you said it, I'm like, I totally agree with this. You, I, Mine was like yours. I mean, I had my, my punch in the face because I realized I wasn't grateful for anything. Right. And yet I was like probably one of the luckiest people on the planet. Mm-hmm. And how shitty is that? And it made me like, how am I over here hating my life? Not hating my life, but how am I over here with that void inside and yet I have so much to be grateful for. That was, that's what kind of opened it up for me. And that's a question. You asked yourself yeah. a question. Yeah. And I did, but I wasn't, I think I wasn't even conscious of it. I got, I mm-hmm. like, that's why I say it was a punch in the face. Cause I think I got a little bit lucky, but I do think now you could craft it. If you know, if you're aware and you know that life isn't going the way you want it to, you could create a mere moment by asking questions, 
by being aware, by taking a look at different things and how it's going, making a big change. Right. The thing that I, the way I see it too, because I love that you said you still have them, because so do I. I had some great ones this weekend about how I keep people out versus letting them in because mm -hmm. it's safe and not safe. And the way I kind of was seeing it in my head, I see a lot of things in visuals, was almost, remember those, uh, I don't know what they're called, but they're like those Russian dolls that you like take them apart and they get littler and littler. <laughs> I don't know what you're called though. Uh, but you know what it is. Uh -huh. It's like the most random analogy or metaphor, whatever it is that I could think of. But it just popped into my head like, we started, you started as that big doll, but it's like, almost to your point, it's like a shell, right? Mm -hmm. As you take them apart and pull off a layer, there's another one inside that's a little smaller. And ultimately what you're getting to is the core. Right. And to me, crafting mirror moments is stripping off layers. But, but you know, most people don't do it because it's scary, man. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's, it's scary because it's like, you know what's behind the curtain, but you don't know how you're gonna feel once you get there. And it's just like, you know, it's not going to be this pleasant experience because something is bothering you. You know, you're, you're not where you're supposed to be. And it, it, we, we run from pain. We don't want to feel that, but sometimes it's the particular pain and the things that we feel, what drives us to change. You know, um, a lot of people say you're motivated by two things, pain or pleasure. Um, and then that can be very true depending on a particular, you know, the particular person. Um, and, and we don't want to look behind that curtain, but it's, it's something that's necessary, man. I mean, it's necessary. Yeah. It's funny. The number one reason I would say people don't hire me that have a good experience, right? They have a great experience with me. They're like, yes, I want to do this, do this. Do this. The number one reason they don't hire me is because they'll say something to the effect of, it just feels like I shouldn't do this now because of whatever. And what they're really saying is I'm not ready to get uncomfortable. Yes. I'm actually, because I don't find them more often than not, they find me mm -hmm. probably like you, they come to you, they want to work with you, they do some sort of session, they're interested, and then what would have them say no is they realize this is actually going to be uncomfortable. And it's so amazing, because imagine if you went to a personal trainer at the gym, and the personal trainer looked at you and said, hey, you're going to show up, I'm barely going to push you, I'm going to never make you do a weight that's heavier than you think you can do, you'll never be sore, and you probably won't change so much. You want to do this? Mm -hmm. Like, what am I paying you for? But, but see, when we actually, people want to change and feel good too. And yeah. it's, it's not, you're not going to change something that you know that you're struggling with and you're dealing with that's been causing you pain. You're not going to change and it's, it's going to feel good at the same time. That's just not <laughs> the way it works. And I think people know that. So it's just like, it's funny that you say that because I get, I get a lot of people like that. They're like, oh, this is awesome. And, but you know, I'm not going to really do it right now because I don't feel like, um, this is, this is the thing for me to do. I'm going to, going to hold off on this for now. And what they're really saying is you scare the crap out of me. You made me ask a question that I haven't asked in 15 years and I don't like the way it's making me feel. That's, ex that's what they're saying. Yep. Yeah. I love that. Um, Man, that's so good. It's so it's 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 great when you get to hear it and hear somebody say it a different way. Um, it's 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 amazing, man. Who is who's your hero? Who do you most like? It could be anyone. I mean, like of all time in history, people you met, not met. Um, that's an interesting question. All time hero. <laughs> I mean, look, there could be more than one, but I'm thinking like, <laughs> who do you really look up to? Right, that you're like. I want to get to that. I want to. I want to be viewed or held in that esteem or that stature. All-time hero. I'm gonna really have. That's that's a very interesting question. Um, I'll have to get back to you on that one. <laughs> All-time hero. If you had to pick right now, the ones that you don't pick won't be let down. Nobody's feelings are gonna be hurt. <laughs> if I had to pick all-time hero, you know, I'm gonna probably say my dad, and here's why. I'll say my dad is because I've seen my dad in situations where most men would have literally like savagely, brutally Ginsu chopped somebody. But um, I, I've seen my father um, talk in a way where he could diffuse a situation. And I always was fascinated, fascinated with that because not many people can handle um, 
you know, particular situations where people are very irate or they don't see eye to eye. Um, so I, I can definitely say he's definitely somebody that sticks out. Um, I used to call him my uh, my Martin Luther King because that's like my father. He's 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 very um, he's very very good with words, um, and that's something that I always looked at and resonated with me because if you can communicate and connect with people on that particular way and on that particular level, I mean, you could win anybody's heart. And what I mean by win anybody's heart is that you can connect with so many different walks of life. Um, and, and that's just something that, that has stayed with me. Um, he's a little different as he's gotten older. <laughs> he's a little grumpier. Um, but, um, that's that's definitely somebody I can say who who has definitely been a hero, man. Because he taught me that you, know, you don't have to you don't have to use these. Um, if you're just as good with your 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 mouth and your words and your intellect as these, you can diffuse almost any situation. And that's that's something that stuck with me, man. Nice. Okay, I got another one for you. Um, Give me another one. Any person, living or dead, that you could coach one on one. Oh boy. They need your support. Who would it be? Mm. Anybody that I could coach one-on-one living or dead. Um, I would say probably mini me. I think he just passed away. Um, I think he suffered with, um, you know, from mental health, from depression and things like that. I actually wanted to meet him um, at some point in life. Um, I would, I would definitely want to coach him. I would definitely want to kind of get into his mind and, and see what he was thinking or what type of help he wasn't getting. Um, and somebody else, if they spoke English and had a translator, Genghis Khan. I would love to sit down with Genghis Khan <laughs> and just see what he was thinking. Yeah, old war heroes, Genghis Khan, Napoleon, um, those particular- Genghis Khan, Genghis Khan was a pretty like evil, bad- Yes, dude. yes, um... yes. I would go for the challenging guys, man, or the challenging women, the yeah. challenging people. I would go for the. No, challenging. I get that. I, I, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I, I'm, I'm on the same page. Like, I want to sit down with the person who, like, caused a lot of pain and suffering. Right. Under- Hitler. Just, Hitler would I'm, definitely be somebody I would sit down with. I want to understand because that's it's it's so. I mean, it's serial killers. Like, obviously, if they're there's people that are literally crazy that you couldn't coach because mm-hmm. it's there's not mm-hmm. actually the mental. But then there's people who we as human beings like made our leaders right and followed that maybe if we put them on a spectrum they should have been considered crazy Mm -hmm. but for some reason we didn't we actually put them in there's some craziness and depth to how that works and whatnot i would definitely say hitler because i mean the way he was able to you know engulf a nation and 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 the things that he did i would love to to talk to him. I know that sounds probably crazy yeah. to a lot of people, but yeah. I would I would really love to see what was going on in his mind. Uh, what was his pro- his thought process? Yeah. Well, it's just the opposite. Like I have it, you have like Hitler and then you have like Martin Luther King. Right. And one is all from love and one is all from hate. And right. yet they were both, they were both people that people lined up to follow essentially. But how did they you get know? there, you know? Like, yeah, I would, no. I would, how did you get here? Like I would ask him. Yeah. Where was your, how did you get here? Um, so yeah, that would be very interesting. Yeah. yeah. What is, uh, what's the thing for you that's still the scariest thing? Like the thing that is in your way, whether it be for a dream or your life, that still scares you? Um, the thing that scares me. I say one of the things that scares me the most um, I don't know if I can say it's in my life, but this scares the crap out of me. Waking up one day being 75 years old or 80 years old and looking back and there's just something in my heart that I didn't do, like something that I could have did to make an, a major impact. And I'm just looking back and I'm not as mobile as I used to be. And and I'm just kind of st- stuck at a place where, you know, I'm getting older and I'm aging. And I could have done it, but I didn't. And it could have changed the circumstance of my life. It could have made things different. That scares me. 
Like that literally scares me. That's it's interesting because that is one of the things that drives me because I do not want to be that person. No. So having a like a really big regret. Absolutely. Regret. I mean, regret to me is probably worse than any pain you can possibly have because a lot of our bones, we break bones, they heal. But regret, if it's something that you can't change, you know, there's some things in life, most things we can change, but there's some things in life that I've talked to a lot of older people that they can't go back and change because that person's not here um, or that situation is just not viable right now. I don't want to be that person. I don't think anybody should live their particular life to that particular degree. So you don't, so at the end of your life or when you're older, you can sit back and kind of say, you know what? Yeah, I can really say I gave this thing my all. I gave it my best and I added value. Um, yeah, I regret. No, that's just not something that uh, yeah. I want to deal with. So yeah, that's, that scares the crap out of me, ladies and gentlemen, regret. <laughs> what, um, any, any other advice that you think before we wrap this up that you're like, hey, I just need to share. And look, I want to tailor it for men. Like I actually go for the men point, but any specific advice that you want to like, that you feel like you need to share or would like to share for men out there that are listening to this? What I would like to share for every man listening, if you can take one thing and leave it actually with you, I'll leave you with this. Stop allowing other people, other things, society, media, whatever it is to determine what is strength and what is weakness. Really look within yourselves. Don't be afraid to tap into your emotions and really embrace masculinity for what it is because you're not truly being masculine if you are not going to be brave enough to express all of your emotions. You're a human being. You're going to feel all these different emotions, sadness, anger, love, pain, hurt, all those particular things. So don't be afraid to be human. Don't be afraid to feel. That's my advice to every man out there. Nice. Thanks. How do people keep up with you? I know you have a podcast. I know, I mean, you've written some books. I'll, I'll put all this stuff in the show notes, but if people want to learn more about you, track you down, follow you, where do they go? What do they do? They can actually uh, visit me on Twitter and Instagram. It's Miyoko Taylor, M as in Mary, E-I-Y-O-K-O-T-A-Y-L-O-R. And they can go to www.miyokotaylor.com. Nice. Cool. What's the podcast? Oh, the podcast is called The Art of Winning Show. It's available on iTunes. Um, Android. We actually have a website, um, www.theartofwinningshow.com. And um, yeah, it's actually been going very, very well. We're changing some lives. And um, yeah, we're having fun doing it, man, just like you are. <laughs> yeah. I love you guys' videos. You guys make really good social media videos. Thank you. Thank very, you. Yeah, they just, I mean, for you guys are a relatively new podcast too, like mine. You yes. know, it's and you guys are doing some cool stuff in the sense of it looks like you've been at it for a really long time. Thanks, so, thanks. We got yeah. a good guy. If you if you need any stuff, let me know, <laughs> man. I'll hook you up. I, I might have to do that. Um, Miyoko, thanks for doing this, man. I'm like, you know, when we met, I felt like a, a, a bond and a connection to you as a man who has a different but similar story. Mm -hmm. um, I love your vulnerability. I love your willingness to take a look at yourself, your willingness to feel your stand for men that it like, it doesn't have to be this way. I love your stand for humankind, for people that like life, not just men, but human beings to like live better lives. Um, it's just always apparent, like how much passion you're driven by and how much love is in your space. Cause you can't do this. There's a lot of, there's a lot of better ways to go make money. There's a lot <laughs> of easier ways to wake up in the morning and live. So I'm just always clear, like, hey, this guy is, this guy is committed. This guy's honest. He's real because it actually connects with him in his heart. So thanks for that. Thanks. I for appreciate that it, here. man. I feel the same way about you, man. Like, tr like attracts like, man. Thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks again. Thank you. Take it easy. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to another episode of the Dream Mason Podcast. Please subscribe to the Dream Mason Podcast so you don't miss an episode. Share it with a friend and give us a review on iTunes. I am grateful to have had you here. If you want more, you can follow or reach out to me, Alex Terranova, on Instagram at inspirationalalex or at thedreammason.com or email me at alex at thedreammason.com. And remember, you are a dream mason because your dreams don't build themselves.